You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome to episode 94 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on everything upcoming in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. Got some big news to talk about on this one, but news I was not expecting to be talking about at this point. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that, uh, you know, in the past couple weeks since our last episode, while we've just been geeking out about Battlefront 2 continuously, that uh, there may have been one or two major shakeups going on around here. Um, I say around here being, you know, in in Star Wars in general. So obviously we have some, uh, you know, a lot of stuff to discuss. Um just kind of some big stuff going on. Not as many news stories and rumors and things as we usually have to talk about um, on our, you know, some of our longer episodes, but um, I'm sure we'll still get into plenty of discussion uh, here with uh, kind of a different direction that uh, we've got this time around. So um, I don't know. Let's, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard the news by now uh, that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who were directing the Han Solo standalone film, are no longer directing the Han Solo standalone film. Um, And this was kind of just like a big announcement that uh, was announced by Lucasfilm just over a week ago now, I guess. Or it was like, yeah, uh, yeah, last Tuesday, um, June 20th. um, They posted a message on StarWars.com just saying that the movie... Uh, Well, I'll just read the press release here because this is the shortest of all the articles we're going to talk about. Um, But it says, The untitled Han Solo film will move forward with a directorial change. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are talented filmmakers who have assembled an incredible uh, cast and crew, but it's become clear that we had different creative visions on this film and we've decided to part ways. A new director will be announced soon, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. And uh, unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners on this project. Uh, This is from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the second part. Um, They said, normally we aren't fans of the phrase creative differences, but for once this cliche is true. We are really proud of the amazing and world-class work of our cast and crew. Um, And the the untitled Han Solo film remains scheduled for a May 2018 release. So that kind of set social media and the internet and the the Star Wars fan world ablaze with uh, 
you know, people's opinions and speculation and wondering what had gone on. And of course, obviously all the, the news reporters and stuff had to go digging and get their sources and nobody's going to just settle for creative differences. Everybody wanted to know <laughs> yeah. what was, what was the real story behind this? Um, and so pretty much it seems like all the star Wars related news over the past couple of weeks has been more insight into, uh, what happened. I mean, the first thing, um, I think like Variety and The Hollywood Reporter both posted pretty extensive articles like the day after um, on the 21st or uh, actually, well, this is I'm looking at this one from Variety and this is like the night of the 20th. Um, but I, this was just kind of developing over the next couple of days. But um, I mean, pretty much the the f- first big development that came next after that was um, people finding out that it wasn't just them deciding to part ways that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were fired. Um, and that basically, I mean, yes, there were creative differences, but specifically it sounded like they were just kind of clashing with, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan over, um, sort of the direction, um, that the story was going to go and sort of the tone of the movie. And, And there's still kind of some conflicting reports. Some people are saying they were, giving it too much of a comedic feel. Some people were just saying that they were making too many changes to the story, but it seems like, I mean, one thing that people pretty much agree on is that, uh, they were, um, encouraging the actors to improvise a lot on set and they were kind of, uh, diverting from the script in certain areas. Um, and they would like shoot takes that were, you know, exactly how it was supposed to go in the script. And then they would do other takes where they would, you know, improvise and and make stuff up off the cuff. Um, And apparently that was really getting on Lawrence Kasdan's nerves because he had written the movie and wanted them to shoot it exactly as he had written it, which was kind of surprising to me as a filmmaker, you know, as someone who's gone to film school and directed stuff before, like the, the screenwriter doesn't usually have that much say in like making sure everything goes exactly according to script. Um, you know, usually some things do end up diverting. You might get on set and once you're there with the actors in costume and everything and you're doing stuff like, yeah, you might in certain situations divert from the script a little bit or say, hey, you know what, this isn't really working. Let's maybe try something different. But it sounds like just the amount of improv- improvisation that they were doing um, was just not sitting well with uh, with Lawrence and with Kathleen and um, that in the grand scheme of things, they felt like that it was starting to sort of veer off course, um, that the story and the the tone and whatnot was diverting too much from what it was supposed to be. Um, and apparently this had been going on, you know, all throughout the production. And at the beginning, it was like, you know, they maybe had some differences of opinion or of creative vision, but thought that they were things that could be worked out over time or that they'd eventually get on the same page. And just over all this time, it you know, stuff still wasn't, uh, working out between them. So, um, I mean, I think that was kind of the biggest thing that, I mean, I, I know I heard you asking this and, and, uh, a lot of other people as well, just wondering, well, if this relationship wasn't working out, like why did they wait till what was supposed to be like three weeks before the end of filming, um, to finally let them go. Um, but again, it seemed like there was a lot of just, you know, trying to compromise and work this out and, eventually you know they just I guess reached a point where they decided you know what we just can't move forward with this um you know got to cut our losses and obviously 
you can say like, oh, they should have done this back at the beginning of filming, but it's one of those things where like, well, you couldn't have known at the beginning of filming that this was going to happen. Otherwise they wouldn't have hired them in the first place. So, um, but yeah, that seems to kind of generally be the gist of it. And, you know, we'll kind of go into some more specifics, but I mean, Tim, what was kind of your overall, or, or I don't know, maybe first impressions uh, about this when uh, the news first dropped? Yeah, I was completely shocked about this when it, the news came out. I mean, like you said, being we knew it has been filming for a while and being almost about three weeks left of shooting. I mean, before we got more of the details of what happened from like Variety and Hollywood Report and their sources, just from the initial announcement that Lucasfilm put out, I just couldn't help but think, because like I said, they just said creative differences. I mean, no, it was more to it, but I, before we got all that information, I was thinking, what could have happened this so far into production that would cause them to be off the project now like if it said creative differences wouldn't those differences be brought out like in pre-production phase before they were hired once they got on the same page as far as what they wanted to do what they were going to bring to the table as a director like wouldn't that all be worked out before the camera started rolling so that was just my first initial reaction like what the heck happened <laughs> for because this is like very rarely you see this happen for directors being removed this late into production like you said there's only three weeks left of filming so that was my initial reaction like what happened because because they were being like they were being spoken very highly of by lucasfilm when they were announced as directors and then that that uh panel at celebration europe about two years ago or last year actually um you know just being all excited and then how they were excited to work with these uh, new young talented directors so everything's done really good but yeah, that's why it was so surprising when it happened. And then when the details started coming out, it was like, okay, yeah, it seems like where the whole thing as far as them maybe doing a little too much to veer it off course from, you know, what Kazan and Kathleen Kennedy wanted. And um, why this brings up a whole different set of questions as far as, you know, what Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and the script writers, when they do write for the standalone movies, like how much creativity do the directors are they going to have when they make these movies because you know they always say that lucasfilm and kathleen kennedy i said it where they're looking for you know young talent to bring you know their own voice and creativity into these movies but now it begs the question is just how much of that creativity will they allow because you know when you have someone like lawrence kazan who's wrote the script and has been associated for star wars for three movies now i can understand kind of what you're going about how you know, there would be some little changes here and there to the script, and maybe they're just taking it to a whole nother level that wasn't sitting well. At the same time, it is Lawrence Kazan, someone who is so familiar with the character of Han Solo and has written some of his best stuff. So I'm sure that factored into it, too, where it might be a case where maybe, you know, they defer to the expert here in this case, even though they are the directors on the film. But it just makes me think, you know, the, what's going to happen in the future with the upcoming standalone movies. But... Um, my initial impression or opinion of this whole thing is that this is probably, it's for the best. It doesn't make me that much concerned about the movie. It stinks that it happened and that it's another troubled production story we got to talk about for a new Star Wars movie. It's almost becoming a pattern <laughs> with mm -hmm. these, besides The Last Jedi. It seems like that's been the smoothest production out of all four of them so far. But to me, it all comes down to, you know, to me, it just shows that Kathleen Kennedy really you know, cares about this movie and wanting it to be the best it can be, even though this was a very difficult decision for her to make. I'm sure it was, especially this late. I mean, it's got to be something where she was going back and forth, I would imagine. But to me, it just shows that she really wants this to be right because 
even from the get-go, there's so many fans, and even myself included, when it was announced, doing a Han Solo movie with a younger, new actor playing such an iconic role, it's going to be tough to pull off. And, you know, to have... So she knows that there's probably a lot riding on this, and it has to be just right. And this decision is just her reaffirming that, I think, where, you know, it just if it's not sitting right, let's do something that, you know, it's going to cause a delay in production, but as long as at the end of the day we get the film we want, that's all that matters. So I actually give her props for doing that as far as not just settling, well, we're this far into production, let's just see what we can work out in the edit room and maybe do some reshoots here and there. That was another thing I think that went on too, as far as some of these articles that were coming out, the plan for reshoots where, you know, Lord and Miller weren't really going to change their style on these reshoots and wanted to still do things their way. It was almost to a point like, what's the point of these reshoots if they're not going to be done to fix the things we want to fix? So mm-hmm. I, I think that led into the her finally making that decision to let them go. So, yeah, it's disappointing that it happened. But at the end of the day, I think it's something that it actually gives me more confidence in the movie, believe it or not, because it's like I said, she's not settling on something she's not going to be happy with. They want to get this right, regardless if it's going to cause some setbacks or not. So I think at the end of the day, I'm still excited for the movie. It hasn't lessened my excitement for what it's going to get. It just thinks that it's just a little, you know, dark cloud that's hovering the Star Wars movie right now that you Mm -hmm. like to avoid. So that's the only bad thing about it. But I think as we get closer to its release, we see footage from it, which hopefully, you know, blows us away that I'm, that I'm expecting it to. We'll kind of forget about this <laughs> from happening down the line. But yeah, just right now, it's a, a situation that's uh, unfortunate to be talking about. Yeah, definitely. And it, I mean, it's kind of funny to think that on our last episode, we were kind of speculating about this and wondering, well, you know, the Han Solo movie is like less than a year away. So when do you think we'll get our first like mm-hmm. teaser trailer for that? And now this comes out and it's like, oh, well, I guess we know why we haven't seen any footage yet. Um you to know, be fair, though, I think it's still too soon to see any footage from it just yet. Well, yeah, and and I think they're still in that phase where they don't want to draw attention away from Episode Eight. Um, but normally, for you know a movie this you know a movie as big as a Star Wars movie, um, you know you might get at least a little teaser or something. Um, maybe not right around now, but something to be looking forward to in the next few months or so. But um, you know, after this, I'm like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll let them readjust and reevaluate um but yeah i mean it was definitely a uh i don't know kind of a a weird shakeup like you said i i think definitely the right move was made um because if things just weren't working out it's definitely better to i mean even this late in production it's better to replace the directors and move forward um you know and and try to fix the things that you feel like need to be fixed rather than be like, Oh, well, we've come this far. We're kind of stuck with them. Let's just ride it out and hope the movie ends up being good because that's how you get bad movies. Um, you know, I mean, you think about Josh Trank and that fantastic four movie that led to him getting dropped from, you know, the star Wars project that he was going to be directing. And it's like when that movie was about to come out, suddenly there was this explosion of, you know, all these stories and trouble on set and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, not that I followed the production of that movie super closely. So maybe there had been rumblings going on for a while, but it seemed like all this stuff was kind of swept under the rug and like bottled up until right when the movie was about to come out. And then, you know, it screened for critics and got terrible reviews and 
people start pointing fingers at each other and blaming the director and blaming the studio and blah, blah, blah. And I'm so glad that they nipped this thing in the bud before that happened with Star Wars because I would rather go through a rough patch now where it's like, oh, okay, the movie maybe has a troubled production, but they get it back on track than to have a troubled production and not do anything about it just to try to keep up appearances like, oh, everything's fine. And then the movie comes out and it sucks and everybody's going, oh, what happened? Yeah. Um, but then the other thing too, I mean, in some of these articles, they were even talking about like how in with Rogue One, apparently there was like almost a similar situation where Gareth Edwards was like not fired necessarily, but like around the time when they did all those reshoots, like he... And this is to my, like, to, to the best of my knowledge and kind of what I've been able to gather, because I've been even reading things in these articles about Phil Lord and Chris Miller that are kind of referencing the Rogue One production that I was like, wait, did I know that? Um, but talking about how, like, you know, he basically directed the movie for, like, the main part of production, and they weren't happy with the rough cut, and so when... You know, they went back to do all those reshoots that were so highly publicized that everybody was talking about and worried about and stuff um, that Tony Gilroy, who was also like the writer of the movie, basically kind of stepped in as director. And it, I from what I was reading, it was hard to tell, like, if he basically just took over as director or if he kind of had creative control over Gareth Edwards and was just sort of telling him what to do. Um, and so Gareth Edwards was still the director but it had sort of you know the control had been taken out of his hands so to speak he was basically like doing what they told him to do to fix it um and so they were referring to to tony giroy as kind of a, a shadow director in that sense um at least for the reshoots and you know when they were trying to fix stuff and they were talking about how they were gonna try to do the same thing with the han solo movie that they actually flew lawrence kasdan out to london to try to get the production back on track and they were gonna have him basically be sort of directing Lord and Miller as they were directing the movie. Um, and, but unlike Gareth Edwards, like Phil Lord and Chris Miller just were like, no, that's not our style. Like you hired us to direct this movie. We're going to keep doing what we want to do. Um, and so, whereas Gareth Edwards was willing to be like, okay, fine. You know, you guys are the boss. We'll, we'll do what we got to do to, uh, you know, make this a good movie. Like here it was just still, you know, um, both sides kind of being unwilling to budge on it. Um, and so I think that's probably what also, you know, eventually led to them being cut was, you know, it's not like they could just work out these issues and they thought, oh, the, you know, these guys aren't directing the movie the way we want them to. Let's try to rein them in or, you know, push them in a different direction. Like if you try to push them in a different direction and they're not going the direction you want them to go, it's like, well, something's got to give. So, yeah. um, and to the, me, I think it's like, there's really no, you can't so like they're both of those decisions that Gareth Edwards and Phil Lord and Chris Miller make. They're not wrong. I mean, I give Gareth Gareth Edwards props for you know respecting the higher ups and wanting to, you know work with them to you know, let them because they have they know Star Wars you know pretty well too and mm -hmm. to defer to those higher above you to work out and do the movie that you know is going to be for the better and you know he played ball with them so to speak. So I respect that. And at the same time, I respect what Phil, Lauren, and Chris Miller did as far as, you know, not wanting to change their style. And if you don't want them to direct something that they're truly not fully invested in and their heart's not in it. So I respect them from walking away to that. So to me, it's just not like a wrong scenario that the directors chose to do. They just went about it a different way. Something had to be changed. One just decided to go with the change and the others didn't because it just wasn't their style and the way they made movies. So mm -hmm. I totally get that. 
and respect both decisions. It's just, you know, a shame that this is the second straight standalone movie that's had this trouble with production as far as and not turning out the way uh, Lucasfilm wanted it, which, again, it just begs the question to me, like, it, are they going to go about these any differently, like moving forward for whatever the next standalone movie is going to be? Because I'm sure they want to try to avoid this from happening, happening again to whoever they bring in to direct it. So it's almost it's kind of a scenario where I think both of them have to change uh, their expectations from each other as Lucasfilm and then whoever this next director is, where if you're Lucasfilm, maybe not saying that, oh, they're going to you know have a lot of creativity to do what these directors wanted to want to do, like they've said before. And at the same time on the director side of things, maybe when they go into these meetings or to talk about a star Wars idea, they're got to understand where they're not going to maybe have full creative control as maybe they once thought they would have in the past or whatnot. I just think Mm -hmm. there's going to be a different mindset going into these uh, production meetings and uh, directorial meetings when they're looking for someone to take on these new star Wars movies. It's like almost in a way, you know, kind of not lower expectations, but just change your mindset as far as going about what you're going to be able to do and what you're going to be able to expect from the directors moving forward. Yeah. um, And, you know, I almost feel like they're two separate cases because, I mean, as far as we know, like the problems on Rogue One weren't necessarily caused by Gareth Edwards having a, a different creative vision or you know, sort of butting heads with them. I mean, it sounds more like he just gave them his rough cut of the movie and they were not really happy with it. And because of time constraints or budget constraints or whatever, they didn't want to, you know, make suggestions and let him go back and fix it and see how it turned out. They were like, no, let's, you know, clamp down. Like, you know, I mean, if it maybe seemed like them, you know, bullying or bossing him around or whatever, like, they were just like, we we don't have a second chance at this. Like we got one shot to fix this and make it right. Yeah. Um, whereas with this movie, I mean, I, I really think, you know, I, I believe what they say about it being really just a difference of creative vision. Um, you know, just the, the old cliche of creative differences, like th- just their, their working styles, their approach to making the film, you know, just didn't seem like it was on the same page um and again you know like we said I, I think this is for the best i was maybe a little worried at first when some of these reports started coming out and some of them were almost painting lucasfilm as the bad guy a little bit for being too restricting and yeah. um you know wondering like are they not giving their directors enough creative control are they trying to you know just lock things down too tightly are they hiring different directors saying they want you know people to bring their own style to it and then forcing them all to just adhere to this one uh formula um but then the more and more reports we heard from sources involved in the production and all that kind of stuff about what was actually going on on set it does sound then i was started to be like oh okay i don't think this is just kathleen kennedy being a bully i think she was on to something here and it does sound like i mean again not like kind of like you were saying not that uh there's really like a good guy and a bad guy here or that one side or the other is totally right or wrong but it does sound like um you know, maybe that the way that uh, Lord and Miller were going about directing it and, you know, they were like not getting as many shots done as a, in a day as they were supposed to. They were, you know, encouraging a lot of improvisation, which 
sure that could be their style but also you know they're not working with like veteran comedy actors like they do on a lot of their movies and so um you know i'm sure for people coming in to star wars and really trying to do these characters justice and you know looking for for sort of a strong unified vision that might have been a little disconcerting um there was even a report that uh lucasfilm like hired an acting coach for alden ehrenreich because they weren't happy with the performance that lord and miller were directing out of him um and i don't know if that's you know an issue with the performance if you know if he's you know, maybe they just weren't happy with his portrayal of Han Solo or if it was, uh, you know, just the the version of Han Solo that the directors were coaching out of him, you know, if that's what they were unhappy with. So that's um, kind of what I got out of it where, you know, not that he was a bad actor, but that just the performance that he was uh, that Lord and Miller were directing what they weren't happy with. So. Right. But I mean, it, I guess it just seems weird to me, though, like if it's just the director's coaching a different performance out of him, yeah, I mean, obviously it seems like the issue would be with the director and you replace the director, which is what they eventually did. But I'm like, well, why would you hire an acting coach if he's a perfectly capable actor and it's just the directors that are the problem? Maybe that was the first, like, way of trying to get this resolved at least that aspect of it. instead of firing the directors let's maybe get <laughs> yeah but i mean if i were an actor and i had an acting coach and their advice to me was do things the way i tell you to and not the way your director tells you to that would be pretty weird um yeah I, i'd be pretty confused that reminds me of another thing i mean we know there's a lot of different sources coming out with telling different things about this what happened and all this but I remember reading one on star wars newsnet who their sources were saying that kind of olden aaron Wright himself went up to like some of the higher ups letting him know that like something feels off with the way he's portraying han solo or this the way he's being asked to you know play han solo here like mm-hmm. and that kind of was a catalyst as far as making lucasfilm you know see more of the dailies and whatnot and how the movie's shaping up maybe giving a little closer look earlier than expected to so i mean i I don't know how accurate that is like again there's a lot of sources (laughs) but yeah well and i don't know if i was reading the same thing you were but i i did also read something along those same lines that's kind of what i was getting at talking about you know the the actors really trying to do justice to the characters and stuff i don't remember if whatever i read like mentioned that it was alden ehrenreich specifically but they did mention that you know there was at least one actor that was like hey you know i feel like i'm trying to you know, do justice to, you know, Han Solo or Lando or whatever, this classic Star Wars character that I'm playing. And I feel like the way I'm being directed to perform that isn't, you know, the the way that I feel like is most effective. Yeah, like it just felt off. That's, you know, that's, again, why I think this is a good move. You don't want any of these characters to feel so different than how we know they are in the other movies. Sure, it's in an earlier time period of their lives, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it should still st- still feel like these characters that we know and love. And yeah, I mean, if they're feeling it being a little off, then yeah, it's a good thing that something's being done to change it. Because like I said earlier, just someone else playing the role of Han Solo is just a tall order to achieve. And if it's not going right, you got to fix it right away because it's, you know, that's going to be the hardest thing to pull off and sell to the audience and they're going to pick up on it right away if there's anything that's not right about it so again it's i think in the end going to work out for the best as far as you know being as good as it could be yeah and again like i said now i'm you know i feel better about like oh i don't think this is lucasfilm being too tight with the creative control um i i think this is just 
one incident where I don't know, they were trying to take too much creative control or, you know, too many liberties with it or something like that. Um, and I got to say, too, I was pretty annoyed. It's, of course, all these are sites there everywhere have to post something where, you know, should Lucasfilm change their leadership? Do they have the wrong person in charge of Star Wars now? It's like, really? Are you kidding me? Just look at the last two movies with Kathleen Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Well received by fans and critics, made over a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, yeah, now just because there is uh, some differences in the way, you know, the Han Solo movie is being made and it couldn't be on the same page with the director. Do you think now they really need to have new leadership at Lucasfilm? Like, I don't think so. Like, come on. It's just like taking it to the extreme when you're saying things like that. Yeah. No, we're, we're not calling for a vote of no confidence here. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, when stuff like this goes down, you know, everybody's going to have a knee-jerk reaction to it, and there's going to be a lot of, you know, rumors and finger-pointing and stuff flying around. But, I mean, kind of like you were saying, though, obviously, it is kind of a case where, like, yes, you want to let the director have creative control, but at the same time, if you're coming on to direct one of these movies, you do have to realize that when you're dealing with a franchise like Star Wars or, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe or something like that, like, you as a director want to be able to, I mean, first of all, you want to do it well, you know, you want to do it justice, you want to make a good movie, but also in terms of your own uh, style and directing choices and whatnot, like, you want to sort of put your stamp on it. Um, I think that's why they hire you in the first place. But at the same time, you got to realize that you're not just making a movie off on your own. Like, this is not 100% your project. Um, and that you have to, you know, you also kind of have a responsibility to make something within the the established continuity of what's going on here. Not just continuity story-wise, but, you know, I mean, Star Wars movies are always going to have a certain sort of look and feel and tone. And, you know, even whether you're doing uh, something more dark and gritty like Rogue One kind of was or whether it's more sort of lighthearted action comedy you know heist movie kind of like what we've been hearing the han solo movie is supposed to be like they can all be different to some extent like just enough to differentiate them from each other because you also don't want to make the same movie over and over again um or have these movies all feel exactly the same but you also all you want them all to feel like star wars Mm -hmm. you know you don't want there to be the one movie that was like oh yeah that one had a star wars title on it and had star wars characters but that felt more like a star trek movie or a fast and the furious movie in space or you know insert other movie to compare it to here like you know it it all kind of has to fit within the established world of what we know you know is star wars and feels like star wars and obviously with the seven well i mean yeah eight movies so far up to this point plus all the you know novels and comics and video games and stuff i mean what sort of constitutes star wars storytelling is definitely well established by this point um and so i don't think it's asking too much of a director you know bringing them on board to to direct one of these movies to say like hey you know go for it do your thing like we hired you because we like your style and we want you to uh you know be creative with this and make it different from the other stuff we've done before um and kind of put your own stamp on it but at the same time like you got to realize 
that, you know, we got a lot riding on this. There are a lot of, you know, there's a big established fan base. There's a lot of money in this and it has to sort of, you know, keep the train on the track, so to speak. Um, yeah, there's gotta be like some rules you gotta follow. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I mean, that's not just, you know, my opinion saying like, oh, they should adhere to the rules. Like, I mean, it's like a job, like, you know, you can disagree if you want, but they're the ones that hired you to do a specific thing. So you can't just go off and do something else and expect not to get fired. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just funny when you're talking about Star Wars movie that may have the characters in the name, but it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It feels like something else. And then it just quickly reminded me of what's going on in the comics right now. That's kind of an example of that. They just had this crossover with the Star Wars title and Dr. Afra comic series called uh, the screaming citadel and that was i know it's not a movie but that was the thing that made me feel like it has a star wars character it says star wars but this does not feel like star wars i wasn't <laughs> a fan of it so it's, it's okay to have some of those type of stories be misfired in the comics but you want to try avoid that for movies that's for darn sure yeah i and i think yeah i mean comics are a good place to like experiment with that kind of stuff because obviously the star wars universe is huge and you can tell all kinds of stories in there um, but I think when you're putting, you know, two or three hundred million dollars into making a, you know, a, a movie that people are going to go see and it's going to be, you know, a big part of the franchise and people have all these expectations for it and stuff like I think, you know, th there's again, there's a certain expectation there um, and people want to see something new and something different, but they also want to see something that feels familiar enough that you say, you know, you feel like okay i'm watching a star wars movie right here mm, exactly um and not to say that these guys were d trying to make something that was not star wars i mean i don't know for sure like you know if exactly what the issue was but um you know again just the fact that they were diverting enough that they felt it was causing problems with the story or the script or the performances or whatever um you know again better to fix it now than try to fix it in post or just you know, make excuses for it when the movie actually comes out. Um, like, yeah, let's let's do what we got to do and fix it right now. So yep. um, I think that was a smart decision. And then, of course, um, I mean, it was only hours before people were speculating about, you know, who the new director was going to be. And they were coming out with all these rumors about, you know, supposed candidates and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I was honestly kind of surprised how quickly they hired a new director for this. Um, well, I, I think when they made the announcement, they had the new director already. They just gave it a few days to officially announce it. Yeah. And well, the, I think they at least already had someone in mind. Um, and obviously, you know, if you haven't heard, uh, now they've brought Ron Howard on to direct this movie, which I feel like is kind of a complete 180 from, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, like on the one hand, you have, you know, kind of young up and coming guys that do a lot of comedies and stuff. And then on the other hand, you have, uh, you know, a, an older guy who just has a, a long established career. And like, I'm trying to think now off the top of my head, if I like, I can't think of any of Ron Howard's movies off the top of my head that I'm super familiar with. He's just a name that I know I've heard a lot, and I know he's... I mean, you never seen you Willow, know. Kyle? Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't, actually. Um, but I did know that he directed that and that, uh, you know, his he kind of has a long-standing relationship with Lucasfilm and with George Lucas. And so, um, 
And actually, I didn't realize he, I guess, was kind of a uh, advisor slash consultant, you know, for George when he was directing uh, the prequels. And that I guess at one point he had actually been in talks to direct The Phantom Menace with George just writing it. Um, and obviously that didn't happen. But um, that was kind of comforting to know, though, that like, oh, OK, it's not like they were just picking uh you know, an established director just for the sake of it, but that this is actually is someone who has, you know, somewhat, somewhat of a relationship with Lucasfilm in the past and is, you know, familiar with Star Wars and, you know, is a friend of George Lucas. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. I mean, again, like I said, he's not even someone whose like films I'm really familiar with. I just, you know, know his name and know he's done a bunch of stuff and I'm not like, Oh yeah, Ron Howard, that guy's awesome. But, I mean, I think it's a very safe choice, um, but I feel like that's what this kind of needs right now. Mm. Like, you don't want to have go from having, you know, a, a couple of directors who were trying to pull this thing too far off in one direction and then hire some other new young hotshot director to get this thing back on track, and they end up pulling it too far in a different direction. Um, you know, I think, if nothing else, Ron Howard, I think, is going to have a very solid relationship with... Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan and just do what they need him to do and, you know, get this thing back on track. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how maybe exciting or whatever his creative choices are going to be as a director, but I think he's someone that is going to, you know, be able to get the cast and crew under control. He's going to get good performances from the actors. Um, and again, I mean, kind of just like we were talking about, there's this whole obviously like creative brain trust now that's developing these stories for star Wars and uh, sort of just continuing to develop this whole universe. And so even if, I mean, I know some people aren't super excited about Ron Howard as a, as you know, the choice for this, cause they think he's just, again, kind of boring or, you know, just a, a very sort of plain uh, safe choice, but it's like, he's not the one that's steering the whole direction of the movie. Um, again, I think really this, a lot of this is coming from Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan and the, the story group at Lucasfilm. And they just need somebody that can execute their vision on set. And, you know, I, I think, um, in that regard, um, you know, I, I think Ron Howard is a really, like I said, a, a very smart choice and safe choice and this may not end up being the most groundbreaking or you know exciting star wars movie but i feel confident now in saying that at least it won't be a bad one um i mean i i think yeah i don't know like we'll we'll definitely have to see how it goes and like you know see the movie for itself before judging it obviously but um I mean, my feeling on I, I definitely don't feel like, oh, man, he's not going to do a good job. Like, I feel like at the very least, he's going to do a competent job and maybe he'll do a great job. You know, I still hope this ends up being a really great and fun movie. Um, you know, and like you said, it's always, you know, it's never fun to hear all this kind of stuff and, um, you know, have all these troubled production stories with Star Wars movies. But then it's like, well, when you look at the precedent uh, you know, the same kind of thing happened on Rogue One and look how that movie turned out. It was freaking awesome. Um, and you know, whatever creative, uh, 
control shifts they made in post-production and going back and doing those reshoots and everything. Um, even though people were worried about it at the time, I think it obviously ended up being for the best. So let's hope, you know, the same thing ends up being the case here. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I like after hearing all this stuff now, it's like, well, going into it, I wasn't worried that, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were going to do a bad job or thinking that they should have been fired or something. But like now after all this has gone down and, you know, reading all the reports and stuff that we have, I'm like, well, I think definitely like I'm glad this played out the way it did. Um, and even there was a report saying that uh, like after Phil Lord and Chris Miller were fired and then Ron Howard was uh, announced as the choice to take over they like gathered the whole cast and crew of the movie in a you know in a giant warehouse or something in london to um you know just break the news to all of them at once um and when they announced that you know ron howard was coming on as director like everybody broke out in applause and yeah. so that right there is like all the confirmation i need to know like okay this isn't um you know the, the little guys getting bullied by the, the big corporation here. This isn't, uh, you know, Lucasfilm wrestling creative control out of these guys' hands. Like, if pretty much everybody on the production is happy about this. Um, and, of course, this is just, you know, one firsthand account. But I believe it. And it lines up with a lot of other reports we were hearing about, you know, some of the troubles that were going on on set and stuff. And so, again, not that I, you know, have any ill will towards Phil Lord and Chris Miller, but just in the interest of you know, as a fan wanting to see the best Star Wars movie that they can possibly make, it sounds like I'm, I'm a lot more um, sort of confident now thinking, I mean, again, not more confident than I was before, because we thought things were going fine before. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm not like worried thinking, oh, like, man, the they had to change directors and stuff. Like, I hope this movie's not going to end up sucking. I'm like, uh, you know, it, again, it's a shame that all this stuff had to go down. But I think it's in better hands now i think it's going to be better for it at the end of the day mm -hmm. yeah i'm real happy with the choice of ron howard taking over as director i mean like you said it's just it's a safe choice just to get this movie back on track which is what it needs right now and while that's all good for the han solo movie but i was actually i'm just excited just uh, from a fan perspective to see ron howard's fingerprints on a star wars movie because like you mentioned He's been involved with Lucas and Star Wars for a long time. I mean, just working with Lucas on, you know, American Graffiti and Willow and then being around for the prequels. And, you know, George talking to him about certain things when he was making that movie, being there as like a consultant or a soundboard type of thing just to bounce ideas off of. So he knows the way Lucas does things and how he works. So he's going into 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 this movie having that knowledge, which I think is great. And if it turns out as well as we're all hoping for I mean, I hope he gets the chance to maybe do a Star Wars movie from the beginning and to do something there from the start. Because like I said, just having that whole history with Lucas, I'm just excited to see what he brings to Star Wars now. Just him being with Lucas and just being a fan himself. I remember him telling the story on like these like Star Wars TV specials, how when he first saw it, he was like blown away and just after he saw it, went right back in line again and waited another two hours just to see it again. <laughs> so mm -hmm. he, he's always been a fan of the movie. And like I said, being close with Lucas, I just can't wait to see uh, his fingerprints now on a Star Wars movie. So I think it's going to be really cool. And the only question I have about it now is just how much of Lord and Miller's uh, footage are, are they going to use? I mean, they said when this was announced that they're 
kind of just going over the footage they have, what they could use, what they can't use. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how much of it's still going to be kept in there and how much they are going to have to reshoot with Ron Howard as the director. I'm kind of thinking just right off the bat, maybe the big action stuff they filmed already that will remain in there. And then just some of the more uh, dialogue or characterization type moments um, is maybe the stuff they'll have to redo for the most part. So it's going to be interesting. And then also uh, who gets credit at the end of the day, once we see the uh, fade out and go to the start background and we see the credits highlighted in blue, will it just say Ron Howard? Will it say what Ron Howard and Phil Lord and Chris Miller? I think that's up to the director's guild or whatnot mm-hmm. to make that final call. So I'm not sure how that works, but it's going to be interesting. So, and I'll be curious to see if they will ever get into that as far as reveal how much we'd use and whatnot, unless we get one of those making of books that we're still waiting for on The Force Awakens, <laughs> which, you know, has been delayed and who knows if we'll ever get it. But it's going to be interesting to hear him talk about this, too, not just like Ron Howard, but um, Kathleen Kennedy, when this time comes to start promoting the Han Solo movie, or even just if she's out for doing press for uh, The Last Jedi, you know, she's going to get asked this question about the whole shakeup between directors. I'm just curious to see how much information we'll get from, you know, the official sources like Kathleen Kennedy or Ron Howard. So it's going to be interesting going forward. But again, I'm just, I'm happy with the pick of Ron Howard taking over this. I think he's just what this film needs and just anxious to see him uh, direct a Star Wars movie, knowing his background and how involved he was with Lucas. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think, uh, well, yeah, like we said, I, I think, it's definitely going to be better for it. So um, hopefully the the storm is over um, and it can go on, you know, without too many more hiccups or anything. It'll be interesting to see if they end up still sticking to the release date. Um, and yeah, even when you were saying question. like how much of Phil Lord and Chris Miller's footage is going to be used in there. I mean, I think from what I've read, it sounds like they still, you know, shot a lot of usable stuff. Um, it was more just sort of, you know, having them in charge and just sort of the direction they wanted to take it, they felt like just wasn't right, but it's not like everything they had shot was, you know, bad or unusable or whatever. Um, but they did say, you know, obviously they're going to bring Ron, Ron Howard on, give him a couple weeks to kind of get up to speed and um, decide, you know, kind of figure out where they're going to go from here. Um, see if they need to reshoot some stuff you know figure out sort of what went wrong and like what direction they're going to proceed in now and you know sort of how they're going to make it better and whatnot um but yeah so i mean i don't know that we'll ever know exactly like just watching certain scenes and certain shots and be able to tell like oh that was directed by lord and miller that was directed by ron howard like yeah, hopefully, if we can't oh, tell, that's a good thing. Exactly. I was going to say, hopefully at the end of the day, it all ends up being seamless. And I would think it would. I mean, you've got the same actors, the same script, uh, you know, throughout all of it. So, and, you know, obviously, like, when it comes together in post-production, you're going to blend all that together and just tell the best story you can. Um, but, you know, I don't know. We'll We'll see how much they actually end up having to you know, redo or restructure or whatever. It's not going to be like Rogue One where um, I think we already like had a teaser trailer out by the time all those reshoots were happening. Yeah. And so obviously we, we've we talked plenty about um, how much stuff there was in the trailer that wasn't in the movie and um, 
I know for me watching Rogue One, I could kind of tell like, oh, I bet this is some of the stuff that they reshot, not because it looked different or felt different or whatever, but just because having seen certain things that we did in the trailer, it was like, oh, okay, so I thought it was going to go this way, but now I can tell they probably restructured it and just made mm -hmm. it this way instead. Um, but, I mean, we haven't seen anything from the Han Solo movie yet except for, like, some leaked uh, set photos. I mean, we don't even have a title for it yet, so it's definitely too early to have stuff to reference and be like, oh, well, with Chris Lord and Phil Miller, it was going to be like this, but, you know, now when we see the final movie that Ron Howard came on to finish directing, it ended up being like this. Um so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know if we can tell any difference in the final movie, but like you said, I hope not because uh, that's kind of the the ultimate goal. Obviously, is to have it be as coherent and uh, cohesive as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned the release date. I'm still not 100 percent confident that it's going to hold to that May release date of 2018. I mean, they're still saying that it is in the press releases they've released so far, but. Yeah, I guess depending how well the reshoots go and Ron Howard taking over, I mean, they might realize they need to do more than originally planned, and that might push it back to December or something. So hopefully it won't be, because like I said before, I'm still waiting for that time when we get two Star Wars movies just six months apart from each other. And right mm -hmm. now that's still the case, and hopefully it'll stick with it, and there's no more further issues going forward with the movie. Yeah, I would be perfectly fine with them moving it to December, honestly. Um, and... You know, I, I guess I don't really have a huge preference either way. Like, May would be fine, but I definitely don't want them to try to rush it. Um, oh, definitely. And, yeah. you know, yeah, it's like if they if they need to take more time, then please, by all means, take more time. Like, we of can course. wait. It would be cool to get two Star Wars movies six months apart, but, like, it's not like we're going to have to wait a whole other year or something. Um you know, we're used to getting them a year apart. We're used to getting them in December so far. So, you know, if you got to push Han Solo back to December, go for it. That just means being greedy. I remember <laughs> having to wait three years for the prequels, and now we're getting a Star Wars movie every year. But no, that's not good enough. I want one every six months. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm like, I remember having to wait three years in between the prequels, and I'm like, man, two years between episode movies and one year in between just Star Wars movies in general, I am perfectly okay with that. And to me, like, I don't know, six months still feels like almost too much. Like, or like too soon. Like I, I, I want time to just digest it and be able to enjoy it. And, you know, how, again, having all the animated series and the video games and stuff to enjoy in the meantime, um, especially cause you know, may have, next year we'll still be playing the heck out of star wars battlefront 2 i know i will oh yeah um <laughs> if our uh play time with battlefront run battlefront one's any indication we'll be definitely playing that still in may and beyond yeah i mean like if if the han solo movie comes out in may next year we barely will have had time to like watch all the special features on the last jedi blu-ray by that point yeah <laughs> so um but just think how awesome that is. Oh, Last Jedi's on Blu-ray. All these cool special features and documentaries. And next month, we get a brand new Star Wars movie. It's going to be such an awesome feeling. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But I'm I'm totally okay with just one a year around the same time. Um, which is funny because originally I, I wasn't thrilled about them moving the force awakens you know from that summer release date that we're all used to star wars movies being in. Yeah, now it's that. like it feels perfect with it coming out around the holidays so um 
I don't know. I mean, I I speculate about, you know, how I'm going to feel about this, you know, next summer or whatever. But obviously, like, am I ever really going to complain about a new Star Wars movie coming out whenever it may be? No, I'm just going to shut up and tell you to take my money and I'm going to go sit my butt in the theater and watch it. So uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's really all there is to it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of hit all the main points on that um you know like i said i think uh the production is going to pick up again on july 10th um and we'll see where we go from there um definitely was an interesting week that's for sure yeah definitely um it'll be nice uh to see the day when we finally get a standalone movie without any troubled production problems yeah you know what? I think Obi-Wan's the perfect character for that to happen with. I don't know. <laughs> That's, yeah. That would be nice. That's another thing, too. I was wondering where, you know, are they going to do something for The Last Jedi sooner than planned just to kind of get, you know, a more positive buzz around Star Wars movies? Like, because, you know, I think there's been talks about getting a trailer maybe pretty soon like maybe in july i got san diego comic-con or d23 i think d23 is in july i'm not sure if it's august though but i know there's been rumors about that of maybe a potential new last jedi trailer coming out which at before this all came down i wouldn't think so i'm sure they stick to whatever schedule that they have planned to release it but there's a part of me now that's thinking you know just to get the talk back and the positivity around star wars and have some people forget what's going on with the drama of the Han Solo movie. Maybe they will put something out sooner rather than later. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. Cause I would think they'd want that to happen just to get the more uh, people talking about something that's not uh, directorial changes or problems on the set. Mm-hmm. And there is a new Marvel movie coming out next weekend. Just saying, <laughs> Oh man, if we get something next week, talk about a shocker. That'd be more yeah. shocker than more shocking than losing Lord and Miller on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that would be awesome, though. I mean, it seems really soon, but at the same time, like, I mean, just the fact that, you know, it would be weird to go see Spider-Man and there, like, not be a... St- I mean, I'm sure there'll at least be the the first trailer for The Last Jedi, if not a new one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, of course, yeah, like you said, with San Diego Comic-Con and D23 and all that stuff coming up, too... Um, I'm sure we'll be getting something in not too much longer here. Which will be awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like we were just saying, is can you ever have too much Star Wars stuff, really? Nope. <laughs> the answer to that will always be no, at least for yeah. me anyway. <laughs> By the way, I I have to, you know, just confess like and this is me being random and going off on a battlefront tangent for no reason just like i was all of last episode um because we're talking about all this awesome star wars stuff and i'm like yeah there'll be new movies and and battlefront too and uh that's just been on my mind non-stop since man that e3 and i can safely say i've watched the battlefront 2 gameplay trailer way more times than i've watched the last jedi trailer by this point <laughs> does that mean i'm more excited for battlefront 2 not necessarily although if i'm being honest i eh, nah nah luke training ray in the force and and ancient jedi secrets and stuff Nah, i'm still more excited for episode 8 but that clones and droids gameplay i could watch that all day until we finally a- get to play it 
and it was a pretty well put together trailer. I said last episode, it's it's one of the best Star Wars trailer period, regardless if it's a game, movie, or TV show or not. They just did a really awesome. Yeah, job man, just that rendition excited. of the Duel of the Fates music and all that kind of stuff, and and the yeah, D. Bradley Baker doing the clone voices and seeing the Naboo starfighters and Darth Maul and uh, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, too much good stuff. Yep. Well, anyway, um, actually, I think that's a perfect segue right into the next thing we're going to talk about because uh, we're pretty much done talking about the Han Solo stuff. Um, and the next thing we've got here is some rumors from making Star Wars on the visceral Star Wars game, which was absent from E3 this year. And, you know, they basically just said, like, oh, we're letting Battlefront 2 take the spotlight um, and we'll you know, reveal more about this game later, but, uh, they've got some rumors about the story and the main character and, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I'm actually, I'm pretty intrigued by this. I think this sounds like a, a pretty well conceived story, um, just from the rumors we're hearing, but, um, it's definitely getting me intrigued to like, just play the game just from a story standpoint. Um, I mean, obviously, we haven't actually seen anything or really know anything gameplay-wise or anything like that. But um, if anything, I mean, even if, like, the gameplay is not very interesting or it's, you know, not a fun shooter or whatever, like, it almost sounds like this might just be good as, like, an interactive movie. Um, But basically, they're talking about this story being set in between episodes four and five, um, focusing on this new character whose nickname is Dodger. Um, but you know, obviously not his real name, but, uh, I guess that name kind of stems from the fact that he had dodged a draft into the Imperial military and that, um, now they're kind of after him cause they've got a list of people who sort of dodged the draft and, uh, you know, they're keeping an eye out for these guys in the outer rim and whatnot. Um, but also he's from Alderaan and, uh, you know, happened to not be there when it got destroyed. And so now dealing with the aftermath of that. And um, actually, just from that standpoint alone, I think this is going to be an interesting story because, like, I don't know, the destruction of Alderaan, I feel like, is one of those things that kind of gets glossed over in the Star Wars movies. Like, um, I mean, obviously, it's a, a pretty big pivotal moment for the characters in A New Hope, you know, with Leia watching the destruction of her home planet. And, you know, then you see Obi-Wan feel such a powerful disturbance in the Force and stuff. And obviously, the the original trilogy didn't really focus on politics and stuff nearly as much as the prequels did. But when you think about it, it's like, well, hold up, though. Like, I know from a cinematic standpoint, it was just kind of like, oh, big explosion. And it's supposed to be, you know, kind of a... a poignant character moment for leia and whatnot but it's like can we can we back up a second and, and think about the fact that like five billion people just died and <laughs> uh you know wouldn't there be some kind of outcry or like repercussions about that and uh you know i mean well we know the the senate had just been disbanded but um you know i feel like all the stuff that the empire does you know there's always kind of the this is obviously the Imperial sympathizers. And I mean, even Battlefront 2 is going to delve into that with uh, this new character of Aiden and kind of she's going to be the protagonist. She's an Imperial uh, commando and whatnot and showing what it's like to be raised on an Imperial aligned homeworld that's not under occupation and see why people support the Empire and think it's good. And I'm like, OK, I can I can get behind all of that. Like, I see why maybe people want just 
order and peace in the galaxy and uh you know maybe the rebels look like terrorists and whatnot but then you go and blow up an entire planet and it's like okay now who's gonna justify that like and and what are the galaxy-wide repercussions of that so i think it'll be really interesting to uh just see it explore more of that aspect yeah for this one this is probably more of a problem for me than you because i've been reading more of the comics that you know first off take place pretty much almost all of them <laughs> take place between episodes four and five which is an era i'd like to see them move out from pretty soon so when i first saw that this before i was like eh, okay uh, it's not particularly an era that we haven't seen before <laughs> if anything we're getting too much of it so that didn't get me too excited and then the whole premise of you know dealing with the destruction of alderaan i think that could be, is a cool concept to explore in a game but i have seen it already in the princess leia comic that was one of the first titles to come out from marvel's um, new line of comics for star wars so it is an aspect that i have seen before and i'm sure other fans who've read that comic are aware of especially the aspect of uh, the imperials kind of hunting down remaining uh people who were from alderaan who weren't on the planet when it got blown up to kind of bring them in and capture them so that, that's another aspect that i think they're playing towards this new character of dodger in this game how he is kind of on the run from the imperials as well so it's not overly uh, too new for me. It's, it's kind of familiar, so it doesn't get me super excited. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to be a bad story or a bad concept. It probably will play out in a cool way, and I'm sure different ways than what I've read in the comics, too. So, But it's just something I was just hoping for something a little more different with this game. It just didn't get me like super eager and excited and can't wait to learn more about this aspect of, you know, of star wars that this game is going to focus on so i think it's going to be good it just doesn't have an, have me overly excited just yet mm -hmm. well and i wouldn't say i'm overly excited either i mean i'm still waiting till we actually get some official news about this or whatever but um yeah i mean i know you were saying like you're kind of jaded with all the episode you know in between four and five stuff which honestly i mean i kind of am too even as someone who doesn't read all the comics just anytime we hear like oh new comic series announced and it's another one about han solo taking place in between episodes four and five i'm like okay can we get you know something else let's tell some different stories but i think the fact that this is a new character um that it's dealing with some well you know what at least for me is you know kind of unexplored story material but also just exploring different areas of the galaxy they talk about him traveling around the outer rim a lot um and so i don't know that this is necessarily going to be like the spiritual successor to to 1313 but i think it will at least carry some of those elements of like exploring the criminal underworld a little bit mm -hmm, more yeah. Um, you know, I think you said he's going to be dealing with Java too. Right. I was going to say, that, you know, in these rumors, they talk about him working for Jabba the Hutt, but then they also mention some other gangs and crime families and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, I think that stuff's always, you know, cool to see. I mean, I loved in Clone Wars when you saw Darth Maul working with like the Death Watch and the Black Sun and the Pikes and, you know, gathering all those different gangs together and, uh, you know, just seeing the, the, different factions and different races and just different areas of star Wars that we don't usually get to explore while we're, you know, dealing with the noble heroes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think that'll be pretty cool. It also sounds like he's going to have a, uh, sort of diverse and interesting cast of characters kind of as part of his main crew. Um, 
and so um yeah i mean obviously it's not like we've gotten all the details about the game revealed so far um so i'm not saying my my excitement's through the roof or anything but i mean probably the biggest thing that i'm excited for about this is they keep mentioning in these rumors how the story is supposed to be like really complex it's supposed to tie into the movies really well and feel almost like a movie in and of itself um mm-hmm. and of course from the little bit that we do know about this the, through i think this was from like that behind the scenes um you know the the reel that ea showed at e3 like a couple years back um when they were having people sort of the people involved in all their different star wars projects talking about stuff um and I think that might have been the first time where we saw some concept art for this game, but also you had like Amy Henning talking about it and talking about working with Doug Chang on the production design and the artwork and stuff like that. And I mean, it, it seems just again, from the brief glimpses that we've gotten, like whatever this game is actually going to be about story wise, it's supposedly going to be a good story and it's going to be really, you know, sort of immersive and cinematic and feel like you're almost playing a star Wars movie. And uh, just from like the the visual aspect and the the storytelling aspect, it's gonna be um, you know the, probably one of the best Star Wars games we've ever played. As far as actual you know gameplay mechanics and like how fun it is as a playable video game, well, we'll just have to wait and see till we actually play it or at least see a trailer or some gameplay footage or something. But just the way they're talking about the story here and. Uh, you know, the way they're you know writing it and developing these characters and stuff has got me really excited. Yeah, there's another article that Making Star Wars posted about it with one aspect of the game that has me pretty excited, which is uh, dealing with more with how Alderaan's going to play a role in it. And this is something that is pretty new and has me intrigued, where how the Empire is kind of going to use the destruction of the planet, if that wasn't enough, but to harness like the remains of Alderaan into a weapon that they're going to use to destroy other worlds where they kind of describe it as, you know, a way to take out life there almost in a way, kind of petrify them. But yet the planet and the planet structure and surface remains intact where they could take out life, but still have the planets as a resource to mine or do whatever they want with it. So that to me is a pretty interesting concept where not only just destroying all around was enough, but then you're going to make the, what's left of the planet a weapon. And they say that's going to, tie into more of the main character named Dodger's story and like the decisions he has to make, whether, you know, to go against the empire because, you know, he is from Alderaan and he can't let them do that with the remains of his whole planet. So that is one aspect of dealing with the aftermath of Alderaan. I think that could be pretty intriguing and something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And especially they were pointing out how like, it feels like a really big insult to him because Alderaan was such a peaceful planet that, you know, I mean, Leia even says in the movie, like, they had no weapons, and so not just destroying this planet and then harvesting the remains of it, so to speak, but, you know, taking the remains of this once peaceful and tranquil planet and specifically using that as a weapon. Um, And I don't think that's even something that they intended, but it sounds like kind of just from... You know, well, obviously after the destruction, there's a big cloud of debris and they go in and they're mining for minerals and gases and stuff. Um, and they just kind of happen upon this substance that they realize they can weaponize and, you know, get good use out of. So and they talk about how originally, you know, Dodger kind of blames the Rebel Alliance for the destruction of Alderaan for sort of bringing the Empire down on them in the first place. And he ends up kind of going from that to, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like by the end of the game, he'll 
go from sort of being off on his own as a smuggler or bounty hunter or whatever to joining up with the rebels to fight back against the empire so you know that should be really cool to see um almost i mean it sounds almost like a rogue one story in a way um yeah i was kind of gonna i was gonna say right there i kind of hope it does something a little different not just the same old thing where a the reluctant hero like is forced to join the rebels because of something terrible the empire did to him personally and all that i mean it's just yeah it wouldn't make for a good story but it's just so familiar right now like i said it is kind of similar to rogue one so ho- hopefully they could do something to deviate from that a little bit just mm-hmm. not to have it be the same old thing where the reluctant hero joins the rebellion to defeat the empire yeah and i definitely think it's not gonna just retread all those same story beats i mean for one thing you can obviously tell a longer story in a video game than you can in a two-hour movie yeah. but um i mean when i was comparing it to rogue one i wasn't necessarily saying that just because like oh it sounds like he's gonna walk the exact same path that Jin did but just sort of in the sense that you know, we're not dealing with, like, the the mighty Jedi heroes with the lightsabers, and, you know, we're not dealing with Luke and Anakin and Chosen One prophecies and all that kind of stuff, but it's more just sort of the nitty-gritty, the everyday normal people that decide to join up and uh, fight the Empire for their own personal reasons, and, you know, they're kind of fighting their own personal battle and, and whatnot, so... Um, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to get to know this Dodger character more and see more of the crew that he surrounds himself with. It sounds like there's going to be some pretty interesting supporting characters as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I can't wait to find out more about that. And I, I'm glad that we're getting a very story-focused game, although I am really excited for the story in Battlefront 2 as well, like just to see sort of what goes on in between episodes 6 and 7. Um, and I think it'll be really cool to explore that, uh, you know, that era of the timeline for once, uh, in a sort of visual medium. I mean, I know we had, you know, the Shattered Empire comic and we got the Aftermath novels and stuff, but, um, to be able to see those stories play out on screen, um, as we're playing them, I think it's going to be pretty cool, but obviously, you know, even with a main story campaign, I don't know about you, but for me, the thing I'm still most excited about for Battlefront 2 is the multiplayer and playing as the clones and droids and, you know, just the new maps and all that kind of stuff. So then to follow that up with a game that really is just going to focus on, uh, you know, not just being a shooter with a single player campaign, but like a full fledged, just immersive single player story experience. Um, cause I love those kind of games too. In fact, those typically are my favorite kind of games. Um, from the way I talk about battlefront, you wouldn't know it, but I'm mostly the kind of person that just plays, uh, you know, RPGs or action games or whatever that, um, you know, I, I like having a good story to it. Um, I would actually probably say the mass effect games are still my favorite games of all time. And I love those you know, stories and characters and stuff. I just happen to love battlefront cause it's star Wars and I just love running around as stormtroopers and rebels and you know blasting the crap out of people but um i'm really excited to to get back into a uh, a really deep story focused star wars game as well yeah and it sounds like they want this game to be a launching point of like a new franchise of star wars games because making star wars had another article about another main character named robbie maddox or at least you know code name right now we'll see if that ends up being her official name but they kind of saying how she's going to be the other main character and the partner of dodger in this one, but they even said they would like, or the plan is for EA to have her spin off into her own game as like a main character. 
and it kind of reminds me of some stuff that they're doing with Uncharted recently because you know Nathan Drake's the main character from that and then there's a new game coming out well I'm pretty sure it's a new game I haven't <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a new DLC content or a brand new game but it's going to be about one of the side characters from the game and so it kind of reminded me of that where introducer in this uh, new game first as a pivotal but not the main character but someone close to the main protagonist but then you know, if all goes well, people probably take to her character. The game's fun and all that. Spin her off into her own story. So it seems like this game is just not a one-and-done Star Wars game. It seems like they have big plans for this. So hopefully mm-hmm. it's, it's as successful as they're hoping it to be, and we all dig it. So we would want to look forward to more games set in this uh, story with these characters. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Because, see, what you were talking about with, like, you know, not being super excited about the story being, you know, set between episodes four and five and whatnot. Like, I'm fine with that for this first game, but then, like, if you're gonna just spin off from this and, like, keep making more stories about these characters and stuff, it's like, well, okay, we'll see how the first game goes, because I better really like these characters if we're gonna be sticking with the same Mm -hmm. time period and these same characters for another game rather than getting to explore some different stuff. Um... Especially because, obviously, at some point, I would love to get another kind of game, whether it's, you know, an action-adventure game or an RPG or something where we can play as a Jedi again. Um, well, I believe that's the game uh, Respawn is working on. If we, from oh, yeah, that's true. Video, so. Yeah. You know, there's some coming with lightsabers down the road. Yeah. And, I mean, we don't know, obviously, really anything about that, aside from the fact that we've seen guys fighting in motion capture suits and stuff but we don't know if that's going to be you know a single player game a multiplayer game a story driven game you know what's going on there but um yeah that'll be exciting to see whenever we get around to that yep and hopefully too you know if these characters are really good and we all take to them i mean they could do different eras with these characters like if this first game is going to be set between episodes four and five do the next one with another, the other character in episodes five through six or six through seven. You know, they could bounce mm-hmm. them around, not just have it be set in that A New Hope and Empire time period. So, you know, they don't have to be limited just to that era with these characters. I mean, if they're really good, they can, you know, expand them further in the timeline too. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, we've talked movies. We've talked video games. Let's talk some Star Wars Rebels briefly. Um, obviously we're still, I think we're still waiting on a, uh, a premiere date for season four, right? Yeah. So far, no official date announced. Yeah. No date for that yet, but they did just announce that season three is coming to DVD and Blu-ray on August 29th. Um, and sounds like there'll be some pretty cool special features on here as well. Um, so, you know, that'll definitely be something to, to check out and add to your collection, um, you know, if you've got the box sets of the previous seasons and whatever, um, and definitely I, th- I think I can safely say season three was probably my favorite season of rebels so far. Um, so if you're someone who you know hasn't gotten around to checking out rebels yet, um, you might also want to pick this up just to see some really cool stories. Um, although obviously you should start from the beginning, um, or at least from season two, just for some of the stuff that goes on in season three, because you'd be pretty confused if you saw that showdown with Obi-Wan and Darth Maul and hadn't seen, like, uh, you know, the, oh, what's, Twilight of the Apprentice and all that kind of (laughs) stuff where Maul comes, I'm blanking on, like, what was the one, you know, the really cool episode with Vader and stuff. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, so I was going to say, with regards to the Blu-ray, I've said it before and I'll say it again. These Blu-rays just look absolutely beautiful. I mean, even you could tell a difference even from like if you buy it digitally through iTunes or something. There's something about the Blu-ray that just makes it pop and stand out. It just looks mm-hmm. so, so good. So it's just worth it to see these episodes again looking as good as they can be. And like you said, season three had some amazing episodes. But, I mean, this set looks to have some pretty cool special features. And the one I'm really excited for is audio commentaries for five episodes. Um, it'd be nice to, for, for all of them, but I'll take uh, just they do commentaries for, you know, the big important episodes, which I'm sure that Obi-Wan and Darth Maul one will have it. So you're going to get mm-hmm. Dave Filoni. Justin Ridge, the new supervising director, Killian Plunkett, the art director, Keith Kellogg, the animation supervisor, and Joe Aaron, the CG supervisor, all doing commentaries for five episodes, which is, has me really, really excited. So, I mean, to hear Dave Filoni, I mean, I, I would just take a commentary just with Dave on all the episodes, just hearing him right. talk about these episodes for the full length of them is just going to be so, so cool. So, I'm really excited for that. But the documentaries sound pretty cool, too. It looks like they're hitting on all the big events that happened through season three. You got one called Return to Mandalore, one focusing on Thrawn called Thrawn, A Legend Reborn, Apprentice to the Outcast, Kenobi and Maul, and the original Rebel Saw Gerrera. So pretty much all the big moments and characters that showed up in season three, they're going to have their own uh, little featurette, which is going to be cool. So I'm really excited for the season on Rebels to be on Blu-ray, probably more than the other ones because of, the content they're putting on here. I think it's a big improvement over the stuff we got for seasons one and two. So I can't wait for it. Yeah. See, I still haven't gotten the season one and two Blu-rays yet, so I can't speak to, um, you know, content or lack thereof as far as bonus materials and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, all these ones that they've got listed here definitely sound pretty interesting. Um, Well, now you might as well just wait, you know, for the eventual complete series box set. (laughs) Now that we know season four is the last one. Well, you know, I might just do that. I've got that with Clone Wars. Um, Well, actually, I have the seasons one through five box set. And then obviously I have uh, the Lost Missions Blu-ray separately. Man, I love that box art for the Clone Wars complete series set. I almost got all those Blu-rays again just for that box art. (laughs) (laughs) It looks so cool. Wait, you mean you, you have like eight different copies of every Star Wars movie, but you only have <laughs> one copy of Clone Wars and you didn't buy it because, you know, just for the, the cool clone packaging on the front? I know. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I'm, I'm losing my touch. <laughs> <laughs> losing your touch. Some might call it learning self-restraint. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this will definitely be something cool to check out. And... You know, again, we don't know exactly when season four is airing, but um, I mean, I would assume it'd probably be not too long after this because that generally tends to be the trend that yeah. the last season usually comes out on Blu-ray right before the new season starts. So probably sometime in September, I would guess. Yeah, probably middle in September, early October, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's just based on previous seasons. It's usually somewhere in uh, September or October, but the sooner the better, I say. Uh, definitely. I will say maybe because I just haven't overly looked for it, but the season four premiere, it's been, you know, several months and then they showed it in April. And I remember people saying some big stuff went down at the end and so far ha- haven't found out or been spoiled on any of that. So just need to make it for a few more months. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I think mostly everybody's just been concerned, you know, concerned with talking about uh, The Last Jedi and all that kind of stuff. But um i also think maybe it's just because they didn't really make a big deal of the fact that they showed the premiere at celebration 
Mm. Um, like, it, you know, in previous years, they've announced that as part of the panel. Like, um, yeah, like a know, red carpet or, event. Too. Yeah. Like you look at the uh, the schedule of panels and events and stuff, and it'll be like, you know, at one time there's the Rebels uh, panel and, you know, as a completely separate event, they've got, you know, Rebels season three premiere or whatever. Um, but this year they kind of just like sneaky, you know, stuck it in there. Um, to the yeah, point they just told the people in the room, don't leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were like, you know, we got a surprise for you or something. And watching the live stream, I was just like, oh, cool. I wonder what that is. Guess we won't find out. Yeah. Um, and then talking to people afterwards who were there, I was like, oh, wait, you got to see the first episode of season four? Well, of course you did. That makes sense. They show it every year, but they didn't tell us about it. But that's yeah. nice because I don't want to be spoiled on it. So Yeah, and everyone's kept quiet about it, too. I've seen it, which is appreciated. So. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, definitely can't wait to finally, uh, check that out whenever it does air. And I would assume, you know, as we get further into the summer here, we should, um, I don't know if we'll get another trailer for it at some point, but definitely at least get a release date, uh, you know, probably pretty soon here. Um, and then speaking of animation, they also, uh, did just release a trailer and release date for Forces of Destiny, which is, um, you know, that mini series that they announced right before Celebration, um, that's going to be, you know, highlighting, uh, Ahsoka and Sabine and Rey and, you know, some of the other female protagonists from the series. Um, and I don't know if they've said like exactly how long these episodes are going to be, but again, it's going to be just kind of a short, uh, yeah, an original series of animated shorts, um, which are going to be debuting July 3rd on, uh, just the Disney YouTube channel. Um, and they say a new short will premiere online each day at 10 a.m. Pacific time, culminating with their broadcast debut on Disney Channel on Sunday, July 9th. Um, and I guess I'll have to go back and check the original article, but I think when the series was first announced, they said like how many episodes there would be, right? Yeah, I want to say like around eight, something like that. Right. But I thought they said there would be like eight that would be an, released online and then when they aired on TV there'd be an additional 8 or something like that but i could be mistaken um i don't remember but anyway i mean they've released a trailer along with this kind of showing um you know just clips of some of the the stories and stuff um i don't know it seems like people are kind of split on this um and i don't know i feel like i'm just kind of caught in the middle i i have i wouldn't even say mixed feelings because i'm kind of just like eh, it looks okay i guess i think the biggest thing for me is just the animation is not um i don't know it is not blowing me away um i'm not super impressed with it i don't think it looks terrible necessarily but it just to me it looks like a side project it, it looks like, I mean, it, I think it shows that this is just going to be, you know, something that, uh, not that they're just phoning it in um, or trying to do a cheap cash grab or whatever. And hopefully these stories are, you know, actually interesting. Um, just, I don't know, just as far as at least the animation quality and whatnot, it, it shows that this is going to be a, uh, you know, just a, a short web series, if that makes sense. Um, like if you showed me this trailer and didn't tell me what it was for, and I didn't know anything about this series, I 
don't think I would mistake this for like, oh, this is going to be the next series after Rebels that's, you know, going to be airing on Disney XD or something, right? Um, Because I think if that were the case, I probably would be disappointed uh, just with sort of the the overall look of it and everything. Um, It definitely does seem to be sort of targeting a younger audience too. But I mean, that's fine because, you know, we've got Rebels and Clone Wars and the movies and stuff. And so if they want to do something that's, you know, targeted at a certain demographic and, you know, giving young girls these heroes to look up to and, you know, boys too, but obviously, um, you know, it certainly seems sort of centered more on sort of a a female fan demographic and a younger fan demographic. And it's like, you know what, cool. If that's what they want to go for, go for it. Um, Like I've seen a lot of people saying, uh, you know, commenting on stuff like this and going, oh, you know, they're just focusing on the the females and blah, 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 gender equality and whatnot. And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, when it comes to Star Wars, I don't care at all about bringing, you know, real world politics and political correctness and stuff into it. I'm like, you know what? Just let them tell the stories they want to tell. Um, Not that, you know, diversity and, you know, all that kind of stuff isn't good and important and stuff. But I just feel like, you know, sometimes that gets... I feel like that shouldn't be the forefront of the discussion when we're talking about just entertainment and pop culture and, you know, Star Wars stories and and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I don't like it because too much focus on female characters, blah, blah, blah. I also have seen people be like, oh, man, this looks absolutely terrible. And I'm like, well, I don't think it looks terrible. Um, Again, like I said, it's not certainly not the best looking thing we've ever seen. Um, But... You know, I, I I really think at the end of the day, the stories and the characters are what's going to make or break this uh, show. And, um, you know, worst case scenario, it ends up being just, you know, kind of forgettable. I mean, it's a bunch of two minute shorts on YouTube. And so if it ends up not being very good, like what's the harm it's going to do? Um, but again, hopefully it ends up being good and entertaining. And they're talking about, you know, promoting this with uh, toys and uh you know, product launches and all that kind of stuff. So um, uh, beginning August 1st, the, uh, you know, this is the global product extension, such as books, apparel, bedding, as well as Hasbro figures and role play items um, will all be available August 1st. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I really hope this ends up being good. Just the trailer didn't blow me away or anything, but I, you know, I'm definitely not one of those huge naysayers either. Yeah, I think I'm a little more excited about it than you are. <laughs> I think it looks pretty cool. And I know what you mean about the animation style. Yeah, it's not the best that <laughs> they're going to be putting out there and not on the quality of Rebels and certainly not Clone Wars. But again, like I said, it's just, you know, two minute shorts that we're getting and it's going to be fine just for that. And I said this too when it was first announced. It's reminded me of the original Clone Wars micro series mm-hmm. just in that style as well. But yeah, just from the footage they showed in the trailer, I mean, I. I think it's going to be pretty cool to see these great characters again in new stories and these different eras, which I think is great that they're focusing on everything. We got to see Ray and BB-8, we saw uh, Leia interact with Sabine, we saw Jin, we saw Padme and Ahsoka, and all that stuff looks really cool. And just the different scenarios that they're in, it looks like Ahsoka is going to be uh, fighting, a, or Padme was actually a, a Claudite from the same species that Sam Wessel was from Episode Two. And it might even be the same one in the Clone Wars who was uh, there in the holocron 
Uh, yeah, you know what's funny? I did like when I saw that. I didn't even think of Zam Wessel. I was just thinking of that character from uh, the Clone Wars, which was I think was it Cato Parasiti? Is that the you one? I think so. I'm blanking on the name. I probably wouldn't remember <laughs> if you told me, <laughs> sadly. But yeah, like that looks cool to get more Clone Wars content stuff. And then with Ray and BB-8, it's going to take place right after she found BB-8 and probably takes them home to her AT-AT. So filling in the gaps in certain areas is what has me excited, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the different scenarios, like seeing Leia uh, go up against a taunt, uh, not a tauntaun, a wampa. <laughs> it looks like a wampa's cave, which uh, which would be pretty cool to see. I wasn't expecting uh, to see in the trailer, but it got me pretty you know excited to see that play out. And then, too, the only thing that I kind of rolled my eyes at, and of course it's not going to be a big surprise to anyone, but did we really have to see two stormtroopers get taken out by an Ewok trap? Yeah, Leia helps the little Ewok, but still, like, uh, brought back bad memories of that battle. So <laughs> that was probably my one complaint about it. It's the for the kids, Tim. Well, they got to show them that just because you're a cute little, little teddy bear, you can't get the best of troopers all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. But yeah, other than that, I think it looks pretty cool. And again, just having pretty much all the original actors uh, to play their roles again, I think it's great. You know, Daisy Ridley back as Ray, Felicity Jones as Jin, and then uh, Lupita Nyong'o doing the narration as Matt Kanata. All that stuff is really cool. So um, yeah, I can't wait for it. And I'm just so glad it's right around the corner. I mean, July 3rd, that's next week. So when I saw mm-hmm. that, I was like, oh, cool. We don't have to wait at all for this. So yeah, I'm excited for it. So hopefully yeah. it's... Actually, yeah, I guess I didn't even, like, I know we're close to July. I didn't even think about that as being next week. Actually, no, it's, it's, now, what's today? We are in the last week of June. Yeah. Yeah. June will be over by Saturday. (laughs) Where is this year going? Yeah, it's going by quick. Pretty soon, we're just going to be saying, yeah, The Last Jedi is next week. (laughs) Which will be totally okay with me. Oh, yes. (laughs) But we'll again, be, just we'll another... be saying The Last Jedi is coming out next week as we're sitting there playing Battlefront 2 and just life will be good. And again... we shall have peace. <laughs> uh, nerd peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that, this is just a, another cool Star Wars thing to, you know, put in there to look forward to in the lead up to a big Star Wars movie. Just getting these little aspects of Star Wars here and there, whether it's a game, TV show, but now we got animated web shorts i mean which is just cool to have so again mm-hmm. more star wars riches for us to enjoy and like you said whether if it doesn't turn out you know great you know it's not that big of a deal but just these two minutes that you of star wars that you didn't enjoy what harm is that gonna do so mm-hmm. yeah to all the naysayers about this one just get over it. if you don't want to watch it don't watch it but exactly that's yeah that uh, like I was saying, it, it kind of obviously is targeted as at a, targeted at a certain demographic, and if it's not for you, then fine. Like you know, you don't have to like it. I'm certainly not going to try to convince everybody that they have to love this thing. And I have seen certain people doing that too, and you know, sort of taking up the cause and being like, "Oh man, this is going to be so awesome," and blah blah blah. And I mean, like I said, I I just wasn't totally convinced by this trailer. I mean, it just didn't get me super excited, but I'm definitely going to watch it for sure. And, you know, if I don't like it, oh, well, if I do, awesome. Like, I hope I do. Um, But, you know, as a fan, you don't have to love every single thing they put out, but don't, you know, stomp on it and trash it just because it's, you know, doesn't fit your perfect image of, you know, what you want from, uh, you know, your dark, gritty Star Wars content. 
yeah, exactly. So it should be cool when it comes out. And, you know, with this trailer alone, it got me pretty excited for it. And I've heard good things for those who saw the Ray episode at Celebration Orlando. People saying it was really good. So I think that's probably going to be the one they're going to start off with. So it should be cool to get it once it does come out on June 3rd. So like you, I'll definitely be watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure... You know, since it's just around the corner, you know, by the time we record our next episode, we probably will have seen all of these. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, being able to give much more complete thoughts then after we've uh, actually seen these episodes in full and not just a you know little teaser here. So, um, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And I hope we have some positive thoughts to share on it after actually seeing it for ourselves. Um, and with that, I can't believe it, but what, Tim, we need, let's quick, go on a tangent. Wow. <laughs> I know. Like, are we done already? <laughs> We're getting there. Um, I know we do still have, you know, our, our social media rundown to get to. Um, and I'll let you get to some of the individual, uh, you know, comments and things we got from people. But just earlier today, um, I posted a poll here on Twitter and I think I'm going to do this more often from now on. Um, or, you know, either Tim or myself will do this, you know, we'll post a, uh, a poll on Twitter before, like the day before we record our episodes and, uh, you know, just ask a question about one of the topics, um, or kind of the main topic that we'll be talking about on the episode for that day. So, um, obviously for today I said, uh, how do you feel about the Han Solo film after the change in directors? Um, and 43% of you said it's in good hands now. 11% voted for I have a bad feeling about this, which I just put I have a bad feeling dot 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 because you think it's hard fitting all your thoughts into a tweet. Now you should see how many characters they limit your poll responses to. Yeah. It's like 25 <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, so 11% said they have a bad feeling. Uh, 43% said it's in good hands and 46% said only time will tell. So um, yeah, I mean obviously it is kind of too early now to really know one way or the other. Like we haven't seen any trailers or footage or anything like that, but I'm definitely hopeful, uh, you know, optimistic and hopeful. I would say I didn't actually vote in this myself, but I would put myself in the camp of saying it's in good hands now. Um, after, you know, just knowing that they've got a, a good experienced director with Ron Howard in charge. Now somebody that's, uh, got experience with Lucasfilm in the past and, you know, now that all these issues that they were having on the production have come to light, you know, somebody that I think can hopefully write the ship. So, um, you know, hopefully that ends up being the case, but, uh, you know, we definitely will see next year when it comes out and, uh, find out, you know, how good they can really do with it. And I'm just glad to see too, like, it was kind of split between, you know, it's in good hands now and just a wait and see, or as you put it, only time will tell. It wasn't, overwhelmingly I have a bad feeling about this <laughs> right. I actually expected that to be a little higher but if it's only 11 percent I mean that's a pretty good ratio between the more positive outcomes so good to see at least the Star Wars fans who interacted with this poll are kind of more on the optimistic side of things for mm -hmm. all the movie so yeah which definitely. is cool and we got, I mean, 53 votes on that as of right now. It's open for 24 hours, so it's, well, by the time you guys are listening to this, it'll probably be closed, but um, it's still 16 hours left as of right now. But I, the idea kind of just popped into my head, like, late this afternoon. Um, but going forward, you know, we'll probably try to do this, like, the day before we record so we get uh, time for more people to get their thoughts in and vote on the poll. I can already tell you right now, like for our next episode, I'm sure it'll probably have something to do with uh, your thoughts on the thoughts, uh, thoughts, the 
forces of destiny. Yeah, not thoughts of destiny. That would be a weird show. People just sitting around and daydreaming about being the chosen one. Thinking about your future. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, forces of destiny. Um, I, I uh, you know, definitely will be interested to see what people think of that. Especially because even like I watched, I had seen the trailer before, but I watched it again on YouTube right before we started recording this um, and just saw kind of how evenly split the likes and dislikes were on the YouTube page and reading some of people's comments and stuff on there. And I was like, oh, wow, I did guess I didn't realize this was so polarizing um, and that there were so many people with, uh, you know, strong reactions one way or the other on this. So I kind of want to know where you guys sit. Um, you know, the, the civilized Star Wars fan audience and not the uh, <laughs> army of baboons that comment on YouTube videos. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll definitely have a more civilized uh, discussion. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I'll definitely be interested to see what you guys think. And thanks to those of you who voted in this poll. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be uh, kind of a good interactive way to, um, you know, just kind of get people's thoughts on stuff we're talking about from now on. But uh, Tim, why don't you give us uh, some of the more specific you know, comments and thoughts and whatnot that uh, some people sent in? Yep, so regarding the whole drama going on with the Han Solo movie. We got some uh, reactions from Joseph Golden at CC Star 1138 and Paul J at JJ Farms, who always interact with us and share their thoughts on the big things that happen in Star Wars, which we always appreciate. So Joseph Golden says, I'm confident that Han Solo will still be really good in the hands of Ron Howard. I just wish we could see Lord and Miller's take on hand. And as for Forces of Destiny, the footage looked great. They remind me of the old Clone Wars micro series. I can't wait to see it next week. And then Paul J says, um, sounds like the competing visions may have been episodes four and five Han Solo versus the episode six version, which when I read that, it just got me thinking, you know, how different the characterizations of Han maybe was between those movies, which thinking about it, he was a little more, I don't know if you want to say like comedic or lighthearted in Return of the Jedi, but he kind of was with some of the liners he had in the like jokes he had with 3PO when he's telling them to get the supplies from the Ewoks and, you know, like, don't <laughs> don't take all day. Like, a little more jokey, I guess, in that movie than he was in the first two. So um, it'd be interesting if that was kind of a direction maybe Lord and Miller were going to, like, play on that on a little more, or and they wanted to keep more in check with the early version of Han, which he was in episode four, which makes more sense since, you know, the movie takes place before that. So just an interesting concept that maybe something like that went down, but also on Facebook, in regards to the Han Solo movie, um, Carlos Alvina says, it's kind of like when Edgar Wright got pulled from Ant-Man. I think he and Lord slash Miller might have uh, too distinct of a style and or ideas that just didn't fit with uh, Disney slash Star Wars and Marvel mold. A shame. I would have loved to see their take on the world. Yeah, that's another kind of thing I'm seeing as far as reactions for the whole Lord and Miller being removed as a director is a lot of fans wanted to see their take on Star Wars, which myself included. It would have been interesting to see what they could have done with it. And it is kind of a shame that we'll probably never see that again. I mean, I guess never say never, but I doubt Lucasfilm and them would be working together anytime soon on a future project. So this could have been our only shot. So it would have been interesting. And I can understand uh, for those who are disappointed that we won't see a Lord and Miller Star Wars movie. So definitely can understand why that could be a disappointment. But in some responses we got to our last episode, 
in particular something we said at the end of our discussion on Battlefront 2 or even at the end of the episode where <laughs> we made the comment that George Lucas should be a playable character in Battlefront 2 and I don't think we're alone on that because it got some pretty favorable responses. So EA, you got to make it happen now. <laughs> George Lucas has to be a playable character in Battlefront 2. Um, Michael at Jedi Obi Mike on Twitter says, uh, George Lucas as a playable hero sounds amazing. Plaid shirt GL running around the battlefield yelling faster, more intense. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually like... I mean, obviously, we're, you know, just having fun with this. I don't expect him to actually be a character in the game. But somebody on the PC version of the game should totally make a mod yeah. with him. <laughs> because, you know, they've got the officer class now that buffs your teammates around you and, like, gives them more health or makes them do more damage or something. And he would be a perfect officer class. Like, yeah. <laughs> to just, you know, just have – you replace his blaster pistol with a, a writing pad or something and just run around doing buffs and, you know, yelling faster, more intense, and everybody gets faster faster and more intense <laughs> yeah this is a speed boost i believe <laughs> yeah uh, that would be cool and mike also says that you know get george to use the merson uh mountainous sws 1013 projectile launcher which is the t-shirt cannon <laughs> as his weapon which i think was that uh, t-shirt cannon they used at celebration orlando yeah which apparently they've now like added to the cannon as an actual weapon yeah, I mean, why not? You know, if anything, that should be Pablo Hidalgo's weapon if he was a playable character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, it would be, I mean, if you're going to add anybody like George Lucas uh, or any real world Star Wars related person to the game as a playable character, that would be a perfect weapon for any of them. Mm-hmm. And then Martin Alman at Darmit Studios on Twitter said, uh, I just heard what you guys said about Qui-Gon in his own comic and Battlefront 2 playable characters. Yes, please. <laughs> I agree on both, especially the Qui-Gon comic. I'll be banging that drum for a while to get some more Qui-Gon stories. And then uh, Thilo Grimm at German Boba, he says, I want that George Lucas playable character with notebook, <laughs> pen, and his special ops Gungans. See <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so many possibilities you could do with that. Yeah, and oh, I got to tell you, you guys made my day just by sending us those comments and stuff because um, – you know, obviously, I mean, this is a pretty short episode for, uh, you know, relatively speaking for us, but sometimes we go off, you know, talking for two, three hours about this stuff and we're just rambling about whatever comes to mind and, you know, making up totally dumb, goofy stuff like these ideas that George Lucas should be a Battlefront character and, you know, it's late at night. I think specifically with that one, um, it might have even been like after midnight when we finished recording was, or something yeah. and I was just loopy and tired and ready to go to bed. Woke up the next morning and did not give a second thought to any of that George Lucas stuff we talked about. You know, sometimes it's just out of sight, out of mind. And uh, then I see people, you know, tweeting about it and responding to it. And it cracks me up because I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot we talked about that. <laughs> so it was just like getting to relive it all over again. So I, I surprise, Sometimes I surprise even myself. <laughs> Is that the line Han has? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, perfect. But then also on Battlefront 2, we got an email from Jonathan Gilbert with a question on the game. He says, hey, guys, just been listening to your Battlefront podcast. And as I'm sure you're aware, the trailer was big on saying all air is covered. Do you think this means that at some point we could get Rebels as a DLC? I don't know about you, but I love the idea of running around Lothal swinging Ezra's original lightsaber or the Inquisitor's awesome lightsaber. As always, keep up the awesome long podcast. Keeps me sane on long journeys uh, home from work. Kind regards, Jonathan. 
Well, you're welcome, Jonathan. Glad our long podcast, like our last one, could keep you uh, sane as you drive home from work. So uh, glad to hear you enjoyed that. But in regards to your question, as far as Rebels as DLC, I mean, why not? Like I said on our last episode, the idea of these DLC seasons just had me excited for what they can do and just have them be specific for certain eras. And we talked about getting, you know, we're definitely getting The Last Jedi and then one for Clone Wars, this one at the top of our list of hopefully they have planned. But I can definitely see them doing something for Rebels, too. I mean, he brings up a good point with uh, Lothal being the perfect map and then Ezra and the Inquisitor being playable characters as our hero characters. That would be cool. I mean, mm-hmm. Ezra's lightsabers definitely would be unique as far as being a blaster and a lightsaber that you could switch between on the fly, which can make for some interesting gameplay mechanics. Oh, so, that's yeah. true. But yeah, I would love to see that. Um, personally, I think I'd rather see Kanan and the Inquisitor just as you know playable heroes. Um, that's just, that's just for me personally. But um, yeah, you know, seeing Lowfall, seeing the uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can inclu- you could include in there, like those ATDP walkers. Is that what they're called? The little uh, I don't know, like the prototype ATST looking things. Yeah, ATDPs. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the Empire walking around in those. You could be, you know, driving around the streets of Lothal on speeder bikes and stuff like that. Um, that would be pretty fun. Or even have a It'd map a good... for the uh, the Phoenix base on, uh, you know, Chopper base. Yeah, that would be cool, too. I was, um, thinking both, I was thinking of Lothal, but that map, too, would be perfect for Walker Assault. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And AT-80s made their ways on those planets. Yeah, and heck, why not? Let's have... Uh, you know, Kanan and Ezra, and then, uh, you know, the Inquisitor and, like, Thrawn. Yeah, there you go. Or the Rebels version of Ahsoka. Um, you know, growing up with the white lightsabers, or even have, you know, Hera or Sabine or something like that. Um, yeah, there's lots of possibilities there. I don't know if that'll be, like, top of their list, just because, I'm, yeah, I don't know, like, because Rebels has kind of even a more kind of slightly like cartoony animated style than Clone Wars. Like I'm almost having trouble picturing those characters sort of translated into like the live action sort of style that they do for, uh, for battlefront. But I mean, it all kind of depends on how long they're just going to keep supporting the game with free DLC. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about this last time too. Like I'm sure they'll probably end up making a battlefront three at some point, um, but just with the amount of content that we know is going to be in Battlefront 2 and then with this promise of, uh, you know, these free content seasons and, uh, you know, just more, you know, free heroes and maps and stuff like, yeah, the possibilities are endless for what they could eventually do. So I would love to see some Rebels characters and maps and stuff in there at some point. Yeah, definitely. They can mine so much just from that era if they wanted to to sustain, you know, a full DLC season download. So. Yeah, hopefully that'll be the case. Yeah, and you could have you know Thrawn with his uh, tie defenders and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let's have like a, a space battle map in that nebula that Zeb had to fly them through back in season two. Yeah, that'd be cool. Heck, even you mentioned Chopper Base as a map, like having the Bendu play a role in like the environment <laughs> in some way. Whether he goes up into the clouds or you just have to deal with him like physically, it would be pretty awesome to see in a battle I would yeah think. or you know how awesome and freaky and scary would it be if you know you're playing as a stormtrooper chasing some rebels around and you know you're getting shot at and you hide behind a rock and suddenly the rock moves and 
you know, yeah. stomps on you or something. Or even if you're playing fighter squadron, you just see like these big eyes pop out of the sky. Oh <laughs> my flying, gosh, like, that what? would be terrifying. <laughs> oh, see, now I want those. <laughs> At least that chopper base map would be so much fun. Yeah. It would just be chaos. Yeah, which is fine by me. <laughs> just get struck down by random lightning bolts as you're dogfighting yep. in the sky. It could just be a new game of like dodging Bendu attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whatever they might be. Just be called like the one in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. But and then also, too, we got uh, just a couple of shout outs I want to give. Uh, first off, uh, Neil Lowry at uh, Lower Neil on Twitter. He said, uh, just listened again to your first ever episode. It was a nice nostalgia trip, which, you know, I appreciate it because five years, almost five years since we started this podcast. And man, where Star Wars is at now is totally different <laughs> from when we first started this podcast. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy, man. Like these, I mean, I know it hasn't quite been five years yet. It will be in uh, November, I think. But, yeah. Um, Man, it's it's flown by. When I think about the fact that we've been doing this for five years, I'm like, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Um, oh, it really doesn't. But I don't know. I'd be kind of scared to go back and hear our first episode to hear how we sound. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure our you know co-hosting chemistry has gotten a lot better since then. But um, man, I should do that sometime. That would be fun. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious. But in yeah. the, in the meantime, oh, we will weird. definitely have to be th thinking of some fun stuff to do um, coming up here for both our five year anniversary and our 100th episode, which may or may not coincide with each other. But I think we'll probably hit 100 episodes a little bit sooner if we keep uh, you know trying to go every couple of weeks here like we've been doing. Um, but those things will both definitely be happening this year and we will have to do some, uh, you know, some fun, memorable stuff for that. Um, Tim and I were talking about this earlier. I was kind of just throwing some ideas out. Um, and I think one thing we might finally do is have our, uh, our movie debate episode. Um, cause it's been a while since we've talked about this, but we'll still occasionally get comments from, you know, new listeners to the show and stuff. We'll be like, Hey guys, you know, really enjoy your podcast. But I think Tim's crazy for liking attack of the clones more than return of the Jedi. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems like something that, uh, you might finally have to answer for. So, um, and we, I'm ready. Yeah. We might have an episode where we put you on trial for that. Um, or, you know, I think we've talked to, uh, you know, just kind of mentioned in the past about the possibility of maybe like recording an episode while we're playing Battlefront and just kind of doing a, you know, live commentary on that um, just for kicks, like just because I would enjoy it and we love playing Battlefront and talk to each other while we're playing that anyway. So why not record an episode at some point? So maybe we'll do something like that around there, too. Um, if you guys have any ideas or, uh, you know, fun stuff you want to see us do, uh, you know, definitely let us know. I can't promise we'll do it, but, um, we're certainly open to suggestions. Um, but man, yeah, it's been, uh, been a fun ride and we're definitely not planning on st stopping anytime soon. So. Nope, definitely not. Yeah. And I guess to wrap up this, uh, listener feedback portion of the podcast, I just want to say a special thank you to some listeners as, uh, I believe it was earlier this week or last week, uh, Tracy Canobio from Lucasfilm, um, she put out a tweet asking fans, you know, what are your favorite podcasts and why? And um, some of our longtime listeners chimed in and mentioned us uh, to Tracy, which I thought was really cool. So a special thank you to Joseph Golden, Brian Bailey, Jeffrey Fitzbach, and our friends at the Rebel Podcast, Mike, uh, <laughs> Mike and Matt, uh, almost said um, 
Mike and like Mike or something. <laughs> I was got the names <laughs> mixed up, but Mike and Matt from the Rebels podcast. Thank you all, you guys, for uh, mentioning our podcast as it's one of your favorite shows, and to be among a bunch of other cool Star Wars podcasts that you guys listen to. So it's much appreciated. So just wanted to give a special shout out to those listeners for mentioning us in response to that tweet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, thanks to all you guys who. Um, you know, reply to us on social media and just interact with us and stuff. Um, but especially, yeah, I mean, anytime somebody from Lucasfilm or somebody involved with Star Wars, uh, you know, asks for recommendations or whatever about Star Wars podcast and you guys throw our names out there. Um, yeah, that's definitely really cool. So thanks for that. Um, and again, you know, just thanks for all you guys that send us emails and tweets and, uh, you know, this wouldn't be as much fun just talking to each other if we didn't have, uh, you know, listeners to interact with. So um, definitely grateful for all you guys' support. Um, and I think we're just about ready to wrap up. Um, man, when was the last time we did an episode under two hours? <laughs> uh, it sounded like a long time ago. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it it's been a while. But, uh, you know, hopefully won't be too long before we're back again with another one. Um, I mean, like I said, I know for sure in a couple of weeks we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about with Forces of Destiny, at least. Um, and who knows whatever else we might get in the meantime. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can find us online at StarWarsTSC.com. You can follow us on social media at twitter.com slash star wars t or no at star wars tsc on twitter and facebook.com slash star wars the saga continues um and you can send us email as well at star wars tsc at gmail.com and be sure to check out all the other awesome podcasts on the thunderquack podcast network at thunderquack.com um and uh yeah that's gonna do it for this episode we will see you guys next time and may the force be with you See you next time, everybody.